directions. Book of Matthew, chapter number four, as we study through the book of Matthew and uh, the life of Christ. We we skipped over Nicodemus and and that encounter with Christ, and we're going to try to go back and catch that. But uh, not tonight. Tonight we're continuing in Matthew, chapter number four. And I want to look at something that you find a couple of times in the book of Matthew, uh, and then a couple of more times scattered throughout the other three Gospels. Uh, But at this point in time in Jesus's, I don't want to say career, but... At this point in time in his life, Jesus was not yet hated. It didn't didn't take long for him to get to the point that everybody hated him. But at this point in time, he he was not yet hated. He was not yet despised. He was someone who was, uh, everybody was curious about. Uh, And and y'all know the type of people that you don't know a lot about that person. You don't know a lot about that situation. And so... uh, what you're looking at is, is what's going on with this person. And whenever Nicodemus approached Christ, that's kind of what was going through his mind. What is going on? What is, what is this? Uh, and a lot of that happens whenever new things come out, uh, whenever new techniques or whatnot comes out. People look at it kind of wary. I, I don't want to go too awful close to it, but, but that's interesting. That's neat. A lot of people say that when the, when the caboose moved in the pine. They said, that, that, that's interesting, but I'm not sure I trust chicken from over there. Or whatever, hot dogs as it started out with the first time. And, and then as gradually as it went along, and the same thing with the dollar store, people kind of warmed up to it. Now they have a dollar holler. Uh, it, it don't take very long for things to kind of ramp up. And the first time the dollar store hit pine, it was the best thing since sliced bread, right? You didn't have to go to Franklin. You didn't have to go to Bogalusa. All of a sudden, you can get cold drinks, bread, and refried beans right here in pine. How many of you love the dollar store now? Come on. Oh, yeah, y'all got a better one out there at Barnardale. One, the one here in Pine is run by knuckleheads, and, and down every aisle you go, there's stacks and stacks of merchandise that's never been unloaded. It becomes as much a hassle as it did anything, but the dollar store gave us or gave me a reason not to like it anymore. And at this point in Jesus' life, he had not yet given them a reason not to like him. Now, as Christians... The world don't see us as the enemy immediately. They have to see us as the opposition before they can see us in that direction. At this point in time, they did not see Jesus as the opposition. Jesus has not yet told them, ye generation of vipers. He had not yet told them that. He had not yet, woe unto you. He hadn't gotten to that point yet. At this point, he was simply saying, and he told his disciples, and he preached from that time when he was baptized on. He said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's what he preached. And that's what he taught. Up until this point, remember that Jesus taught in the synagogue whenever he was a kid. But from when he was a kid to when he was, where we're introduced to him in, in Matthew, we don't find an awful lot about Jesus. We know that he was still there. We know that he was about his father's work, but we don't find anything else recorded. So we know that he didn't draw an awful lot of attention to himself at that time. But beginning in Matthew, he begins to step out of the shadows and into the spotlight. And we find in Matthew chapter number 4, we're going to pick up in verse number 23. He had just called a couple more of his disciples, the two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Jesus went, verse 23, about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease among the people. And Jesus did three things. 
One of which people love. People love problem solvers. People love folks with solutions. Whenever Jesus came healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, that gave people two things that they love. It gave them a solve for their problems and it gave something to wow them. Something to blow their minds, something to intrigue them. Whenever you go to the mountains, whenever you're driving down the street, do you notice every little shop as you drive? No, you don't. No matter how hard you may try. What catches your mind? What catches your eye? Y'all ever seen the upside down house? Why does that catch your eye? It's weird. It's different. That's not something you see every day. And so I've never been there, but the sign on the front says Wonder Works. Upside down. And it's a house that's upside down. And it's neat. It's, it's different. It, it gives people the wow factor. And whenever Jesus began his ministry here that, that consisted of miracles, that consisted of healing, that consisted of wowing people, they'd never seen this before. It, 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 didn't, it didn't really happen. There had been hundreds of years of just existence in Israel. There was no prophets. There was no prophecy. Up until John showed up and John was, was preaching. John was teaching. John was baptizing. He wasn't performing miracles. And now Jesus shows up performing miracles. So, so the, on that hand, they love him. But it's the other two things that Jesus did that began to build that. It began to put him in a situation of being the enemy to not the majority of the people but the enemy to those who were in authority at the time, which is your religious authority and your government authority. And Jesus presents himself as an enemy to both because he presents himself, one, as the king of the Jews, which means he's a threat to the government. He presents himself as the Messiah, which means he's a threat to the religious leaders. And in verse 24, it says, His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases, torments, those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee to the Capitalists, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. At this point in time, Jesus was doing two, three things. He was teaching. In verse 23, he was preaching and he was healing. Healing people great wonderful but the teaching and the preaching is what caused people to begin to notice him just a little bit more because they had heard the the priest and the 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 pharisees they had heard them preach they were teaching in the synagogues all the time nicodemus was a teacher of teachers that's who he was and he had came and and you can go back and, and read other places he came to this place to teach nicodemus was the teacher that was him. And whenever he heard about Jesus, he was curious because he had never heard what this man was saying before. This man was teaching things and this man was saying things and he was calling himself the Son of God. And it spiked Nicodemus' curiosity, as did a lot of others. Now turn, if you would, to John in chapter number 4. You can read the same thing over and over again in the Gospels that Jesus' fame spread. Verse number 1, John chapter number 4, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, 
though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Now Jesus said this, I think it was in Matthew. He said the same thing. Jesus made it a priority to go through Samaria. I hope I didn't lose that. Nope, I was in John. He said, I must needs go through. He said, He must needs go through Samaria. He came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now, Joseph, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. And at this point in time, you can read in one of the other gospels that said that his disciples had went to town uh, for, for food. That's what they had went for. And, and later on in this chapter, it said his disciples came back. And I uh, said, Master, eat. And he said, that's verse 32. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. So his disciples left him at this well at this time. Now, the sixth hour is not six o'clock as we would see it. The, the, uh, the Jewish clock looks a little bit different. Most of you know this. The sixth hour would have been straight up noon. Right? Uh, I think I'm right. It is. So the, 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 the sixth hour is, is straight up noon. And then the ninth hour takes you down to, to 3 p.m. Okay, so the sixth hour is straight up noon. So Jesus is sitting at this well at straight up noon, and we assume uh, because of the climate that they were in, that this was a dirt well dug straight down, probably had a stack of stones around it. Uh, most people brought their own buckets to pull water from the well. Most of the time the well was set just a little bit outside of the city. And uh, so most of the time whenever people would come, and especially historically in this day and age, they would come to gather their water for the day first thing in the morning. They would come in the cool of the day. Jesus was sitting here at high noon whenever this woman showed up. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. And we read later on in John that this woman was not a normal woman. Verse 16, Jesus said, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. So thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. His in that sayest thou truly. This woman was not necessarily living morally. Now the Samaritans were not people that were considering themselves under Jewish law, under Jewish rule. They were outcasts. People didn't like to go to Samaria. People did not like Samaritans. But in and of themselves as a culture, as a group of people, you have to see that, that even people living immorally, impractically, were not welcome with the normal class of people in that city. So whenever this woman came to the well at high noon, she came because she didn't want to be around everybody else. She came because she didn't want to see anybody else. Everybody else came early in the morning. She came at high noon so that she could be alone. Jesus knew this. There's a very, very, very big message in this in that Jesus comes to us personally. He said, I have to go through Samaria. I have to go this way. It may be out of the way. It may be a different journey. It may not be the, the straightest line between two points, but he said, I've got to go through here. And he has got to set it this well at this particular time. Because we assume even if this woman brought two water pots, she wouldn't take any more than a few minutes to fill these two water pots up. She'd throw them on a, a rope and she'd carry them back down. So you're looking at her not spending very much time at this well. 
Jesus timed it just right. Just right. How often do we time things just right? We don't. I left here headed for Covington today. I called the guy and said, look, with traffic, I'll probably be an hour and 10 minutes. An hour and 25 minutes later, I pull into Covington First Baptist Church for the for the chairs. So I texted him and I said, hey, I'm headed home. You want me to pick up something to eat? She said, yeah, I'm, I can't cook. Bailey was tough today. And uh, so after cooking lunch, I told her, hey, I'll pick us up a keto. I was supposed to cook supper. When I got the call to go get the chairs, I couldn't. So I said, I'll pick us up a keto. So I called a keto. I said, hey, this is what I want. This is what my wife wants. I want some snow crackers. Love snow crackers. If y'all have never had them, they are spectacular. I'll be there in 20 minutes. I was right on the other side of Folsom. By the time I got to Folsom, I set the red light that was not functioning for 10 minutes. Just sat there. Played on Facebook on my phone because the red light was not working. It was solid red. I had a trailer on me. I couldn't go through the gas station parking lot. There was people everywhere, and I had a trailer full of chairs I was trying not to fall over. So I sat there, and so by the time I got to Akita, the food was cold. It was 30 minutes after I was supposed to be there. I just could not time it right. But Jesus timed this traveling by foot, knowing what, when this woman was going to show up. He timed it just right because Jesus is a personal Savior. And Jesus came to this woman personally. He came to this woman on a very personal level. And then cometh, verse 7, a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. There you go. And verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest the drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She was an outcast. She was somebody that Jesus was not supposed to talk to. But what does God choose to confound the things of this world? Does He choose the biggest and the best and the brightest? He don't. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was everybody. Everybody. Every single person. Peter said he had a problem. He said he wanted to preach to the Jews. He wanted to preach to the, the house of Abraham. So that's who he wanted to go reach. That's who he wanted to preach to. But Peter got his attitude changed. God showed him. He said, there is no thing that is unclean. He said, Peter preached to everybody. Jesus came to this Samaritan woman who he was not supposed to be talking to. Who he wasn't supposed to be talking to anyway because Jewish custom is you're not supposed to approach or talk to a lady without the, the, the man of that woman, whoever the guardian of that woman is, if it's her husband or her father, whoever it may be, being present. You're not supposed to talk to them. You're not supposed to approach them. You're not supposed to look at them. It was a separation there. And so this woman was confused. Jesus answered and said, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith that he give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep from whence. Hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, his children, his cattle? Jesus answered and said, Whoso drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. Up until this point, Jesus had been welcomed everywhere that he went. He told the woman, he said, go find your husband. In verse number 19, we pick up the woman said, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. 
For our fathers worshipped in these mountains, and ye say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and is now. I highlighted that in my other Bible. The hour cometh and is, excuse me, and now is. The hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father shall seek, shall the Father seek such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, The hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth. What would we do today if we had to go to Jerusalem to worship? I can't. I've never flown. And if I had to go to Jerusalem to worship every year, uh, several religions call for, uh, we learned in school that they had to go on pilgrimages in order to secure their place in the afterlife. They had to travel to Jerusalem, to Israel, to what's considered the Holy Land. They had to walk on the ground that Abraham did. They had to step on it. They had to go and see these sacraments. They had to had to pay so much to the church. That's what was required. And this woman said that their fathers worshipped in the mountains, but the Jews worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, I'm here to do away with all of that. I'm here to do it. 50 years before Jesus showed up, what was the way to atone for sin? We studied about it in Sunday school. Sacrifice. The only way to atone for sin pre-Christ was sacrifice. And that was pointing toward Christ. Sacrificing was faith in Jesus Christ that is coming, but hasn't come yet. So pre-Jesus, they had to, they had to sacrifice. The Jews did. But Jesus says, now the hour come. And now he is. When true worship, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he shall come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, looking at him, she said, he said, I am him. He said, I that speak unto thee am he. Jesus said, hi, I'm Christ. Can you imagine what's going through this woman's mind at this time? Now, her mind has already been blown. She's already been amazed because Jesus told her, he said, I know that you don't have a husband because you've had five and you're living with another one already. He said, I know this. She had no idea how because Jews didn't go into Samaria. It wasn't something that happened a lot. And upon this, his disciples came and marveled that he talked with this woman. Yet... No man said, What seekest thou? Why talkest thou with her? The woman left her water pot and went away into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things which ever I did. Is this not the Christ? And they that went out into the city came unto him. In the mean, his, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. He said, I have meat that you know not of. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has any man brought him meat? Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his 
work. Jesus trying to teach His disciples a lesson here, and I believe that we could all take something from this. You ever been fishing, and the fish are biting so good you don't get hungry? Or is it just me that catches that many fish? Y'all ever catch that many fish? You, you, you're fishing so hard, and, you, and, and the fish are biting, and, and you just don't get hungry? But then whenever you slow down, oh, I ain't eat all day. No wonder my belly's hurt. I'm about to starve to death. Why in the world did it? But, but you're focused so honed in on fishing that you don't even get hungry. The work of God is the same way. We can be so honed in on it. If we'll focus on it, that will allow us to thrive. That will allow us to... Yeah. Jesus said, my meat. What satisfies me is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there are four months, and then come the harvest. But I, behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth his wages and gathers fruit in the life eternal. Both he that soweth and that he may reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labor, and ye are entered in to his labors. Verse number 39. Many other Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. And Samaritans were coming to him. They besought that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. This is something else that did not happen. Jews did not stay in Samaria. That was not something that was customary. That was not something that was advised. Wasn't something that was that people did. It didn't happen. But Jesus was welcome. Jesus was accepted here. These people said, "Jesus, come on in." Look toward the end of Jesus's life. Did he get the same? Welcome toward the end of his life. Several times Jesus escaped, for they sought to stone him. They sought to kill him. They showed up and caught him in the garden and finally did. They conspired against him behind his back. They, they tried and tried and tried and tried at the end of his life. And we're talking about three years later. They looked at him as the enemy. But the people is who we're focusing on right now. Not the authority. The people. The people of Samaria. So the Samaritans came and they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. The same thing happened whenever he, he released the demoniac of Gadara. Or the, the two demoniacs of Gadara. Same thing happened. Whenever Jesus showed up and, and, and cast the devils out of them, the people said, oh, get out of here. That's, that's crazy. You, you can't do that. That's, that. that's wild. Get out of here. But once the man lived among them, once the man testified to them, once the man told them exactly who Jesus was, exactly what he experienced, once he showed them the change in his life, the next time Jesus came, what did they do? They said, Jesus, come on. They welcomed him. There's a very, very, very big contrast between the beginning of Jesus' ministry and roughly three, three and a half years later at the end of Jesus' ministry. 
You see the people who believed on Him. People who loved Him. People who said, come with me. People who said, come stay with me. Jesus, tarry here. And then three years later, you see all the country turn against Him. Three years later, you see the, the people in charge seek to crucify Him. Three years later, you see one of His disciples neglect Him. Three years later, you see all of His disciples walk away whenever Jesus is taken. There is a contrast here. At this point, Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing. And the point behind this is, is as we live our Christian life, at the beginning of it, it may not make a real big difference. We may not see it. But the more we live for God, the more we rub the world the wrong way. The more we live for God, the more the world hates it. You ever called out sin? You ever tried to? <laughs> it's gut-wrenching. Whenever you tell somebody that you're not supposed to be doing that. Whenever you tell somebody you ought to be ashamed of yourself. It's gut-wrenching. But the more that we live for God, the less we live for this world. The more we love God, the less we love this world. And the more we love God, the less this world loves us. As is evident by Jesus Christ. While we have a verse of a song, I ask for verse.